me. How 2017 can be. But it's up to me. It's up to how I view the scriptures, how I interpret this morning the message that pastor's preaching. So we're going to look at this passage from God's word, and I'm going to challenge you to embrace this with everything you've got, with all of your heart. This is the key. This is the answer. So let's open God's word together. Second Timothy chapter one. I want you to look, if you would, at verse number one. I want to read you a little story here. It's a, it's a short little introduction to a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Now, everybody's heard of the Apostle Paul, but let's, let's think for just a moment about the context of the writing, a little bit of the background, just maybe 60 seconds. Paul was writing to his son in the ministry. He loved this young man very much. I say young man because Timothy was a young man and Paul was an older man. You see, the writing of this book was around AD 65, which means Jesus was already in heaven for about 30 plus years. And Paul here is facing some very dire times. Some uh, scholars say that he could have been during the writing of this book because this was, listen to this, the last book that Paul wrote, 2 Timothy. This is the last of his writings. And so being that said, some scholars believe that he was hours away from death, hours away from execution for his faith. At the writing of these words, with those thoughts in mind, think about this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of your tears, Timothy, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also, Timothy. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God... For God, Timothy, hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, in those seven verses, we're going to find four reasons why 2017 can be, not could, not should, not would, how it can be the greatest year of your life. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Number one. I believe 2017 can be the greatest year of your life because you and your family have a bright future. You and your family have a bright future. You see, listen, let's look at it this way. Let's lay a foundation. Let's let's get this right. If you have turned from your sin and you have embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior and you have been changed for all eternity... You, my friend, 
have a bright future. How many of you would say unashamedly, there has been a time in my life when I have done that. I've turned from my sin. I've turned to Jesus. I've trusted him with all of my heart, mind, body, and soul. He is my savior. I am saved and I know it. Would you raise your hand if you know that beyond any shadow of a doubt? Thank you very much. If your hand was lifted, you have a bright future. You do. Listen, scripture tells us this in verse number one of our text. Think about it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life. What life is he talking about? He's talking about eternal life. Eternal life, which can only be found, the rest of the verse, in Christ Jesus. If you are a Christian, if you're saved, you have a bright future because you're going to heaven someday. Hallelujah. That's incredible. That's phenomenal. My future, regardless of circumstances in this life, doesn't make any difference. I have a bright future because I have life in Jesus Christ. Some people will go to heaven in 2017 that we know. It's inevitable. We've had people in our church go to heaven in 2016. One of our sweet, precious saints who lived a long, wonderful life, Emma Jean Lloyd, went to heaven in 2016. Not only a well-known real estate agent in our town, but an incredible grandmother. An incredible mother. Just a good, solid Christian lady. This past week, one of our pastor family, friend, members of our community of Walnut Valley Baptist Church, Tim Forrest, died this past week. 2016, a pastor in this town went to heaven. In 2016, a pastor my age, my age, went to heaven. Just a few days ago, one of our college instructors, John Vaperzan, His wife in her late 40s died in her sleep and went to heaven. You see, in 2016, people we know died and went to heaven. In 2017, people we know may die and go to heaven. But can I tell you, the key to all of this is the fact that they, my friend, are experiencing something. They're seeing Jesus right now. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, that is a promise. That is your future if you know Jesus. How cool is that? How awesome is that? Are you about to have a great year? Are you going to have the greatest year ever? You can if you realize your future is as bright as the what? Promises of God. Do you believe that? Is that a promise? I had not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for him, for them that love him. If that is a promise, my future is bright, folks. You're looking at one dude that's got an incredible future. It's phenomenal. It's it's incredible. Not many can hold a candle to it. You can say the same thing. We have the potential of a great year. Let me stop and ask you a question. Have you been saved? Have you been born 
again. Have you passed from death to life? Have you done that? Because if you have, then the Bible says the will of God for you according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. That's your future. That's your future. Now, I believe that God has a plan for all of us. Based on verse 1, it says, this is the will of God. Isn't that what you, you read? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the what? Will of God. What is the will of God? What is it? It's the plan of God for your life. That's what the will of God is. And so God has a great plan for your life. People ask me all the time, I just wish I could know God's plan. I wish I could know the will of God for my life. Can I tell you God's will for your life is, is right there in verse number 1. Could I give you quickly in your notes three things we have in God's plan for our lives? Number one is the word grace. God's grace. Look at verse 2. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace. Grace. Do you see it? God's grace. What is God's grace? It is a gift from God. It is God's plan for your life. It is God's unmerited favor. Someone has said it like this. G-R-A-C-E-G. God's R. Riches, A, at, C, Christ, E, expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God giving you everything that you need and you not doing anything to earn it. That's God's plan for my life? God's plan for my life is grace? God's plan for my life is God giving me everything I need and I don't do anything to earn it? How many of you would like to make a prediction with me this morning? Are you ready? I'll be the first one to do it so you'll feel at ease. How many of you are going to mess up this year? Raise your hand. <laughs> Look, honey. <laughs> All right, thank you. I got good news for you. God's plan is when you mess up to give you grace. I'm feeling better already because I know I'm going to mess up. I just know I am. I, I, I'm not perfect. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall. I'm going to mess up some, something. I'll say something. I, I, you know, I want to keep a short account with God. I, I don't want to do things that would ruin my life and ruin my marriage and wreck my marriage and my ministry. But I know that, that I'm going to, to fall. I'm going to stumble. And I'm going to need grace. Number two. This, the second plan God has is mercy. God's mercy is in his plan for your life. What is mercy? God's mercy is God does not give us what we deserve. He doesn't. That's his plan. We deserve to die and go to hell. That's what we deserve because of our sin. But God's mercy says you don't have to get what you deserve because my son Jesus paid the price for your sin. Let me make it even more practical. Do you know that breath that you just took right, right, right then? Did you feel the breath? You didn't deserve that. But God gave it to you because he loves you. In God's mercy, they're new every morning. They're new every second. Every time I take a breath, I experience something I don't deserve. That 
That's God's plan. His grace. His mercy. Thirdly, Paul says, Timothy, grace, mercy, peace. The three crown jewels of the Christian life. Grace, mercy, peace. What is peace? Peace is the calm assurance that what God is doing is best. I may not understand it, but I, 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 need, I need that peace. It's God's plan because I can't see everything. I, I'm, not, I'm not wise at all times. I don't know the future of every situation. But I do know that God gives a calm assurance that it's going to be okay. You say, what about an election year? Do you think God's surprised by any of it? Listen, church, this is not a surprise to God. All this unrest, all this uneasiness, all this anger and frustration is a lack of peace. People just don't understand what you and I can understand because we have this plan. And it's a plan, it's a perfect plan. It's a plan of grace, it's a plan of mercy, it's a plan of peace. God's in control. He's in control regardless of the circumstances. Wow. Number one, you can have the greatest year of your life because you, my friend, and your family has a bright future. God has a great plan. Number two. 2017 can be the best year of life because you have good friends. You have good friends. Listen, you are part of a church family. Can I speak to those of you who have placed your membership in this family? Those of you who, who maybe are guests today, would you allow me to, to share with you about Gospelite? Could I do a Gospelite commercial for just a moment? I want to say this, the relational possibilities at Gospelite Baptist Church to meet every relational need that you have are staggering. It's staggering. It's mind-boggling. I happen to be part of a church family. 25 years. 25 years I've been here. And I want you to know, after 25 years, I don't know if you can say this yet, but I'll tell you what I can say with calm assurance, with great confidence. There are some phenomenal people in this church. This is an incredible church family. I, I believe with all of my heart that as a result of me and my family being here, that we have been so blessed in so many ways. I can't imagine going to church anywhere else. I can't imagine serving God with any greater people. I can't imagine serving, God, not perfect people, but just great people, good people, sweet people, loving people, caring people. Now, I know that sometimes not everyone gets connected. It's sad to me. And I know we can point fingers, but this morning, I'm not going to point fingers at gospel light. This morning, I'm going to say this. If you're not connected, fix it. Fix it. I'm telling you, this is a great church. There's a great people. They're sweet people. Your, your relational needs can be met. Well, let me just start with, join a small group. Get in a small group. It's phenomenal. It's the greatest thing ever. 
to be a part of a small group, a, a family within the family, a, a group of people. I get the chance on Wednesday nights at 5 o'clock. I've got my senior saints. We meet in the music room. We have this small group that gets together. We have the best time, the funnest time. We talk and laugh and share prayer requests. We cry together sometimes. We study the Bible together. We enjoy that little time we have together every week. And, and then at 6.30, I get to be in the room 203 with, the, with some men that I've developed incredibly close accountability relationships with. And we're tight. We're close. We talk. We share. We have become a family. And every now and then, a new guy comes in. And he feels it right away. He knows there's something special here. This is a good group. This is a good thing. Everyone needs that. Everyone needs that. Be connected. Go after that this year. Go after it. Determine that if what I'm saying is true, you're going to find out. I'm going to find out about this thing. I'm going to find out how we're not perfect. We, we make mistakes. We're, we're not, we're not going to hit a, a, a about a thousand, but we will. I guarantee we will love you and you will love us and we will be family. We will be good friends. Look at verse 3. It's amazing. Paul says to Timothy, I thank God. Timothy, I just, you're, you're just so special to me. I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing, Tim, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Timothy, I love you so much that I pray for you all the time. Do we pray for each other enough? I can't always be there, but I can always pray. Amen? I can always pray. And I'm under so much Holy Spirit conviction in a very good way, in a gentle way. I don't feel guilt about it. I don't feel beat down about it. I feel loved about it. I feel like the Holy Spirit would have me to share with you this morning seven ways that God has, I believe, prepared us to be a better praying church in 2017. Can I share those with you? Because I believe we need to have a stronger praying church. Here they are. Just write, just this random notes here. Number one, the, the first thing I think we can do as a church family is become better friends as husbands and wives. So let's pray together. Husbands and wives praying more together. I'm going to tell you something. Our church is only as strong as its families. Let's pray together. My wife and I, I'm, I'm up here right now. I'm asking my wife. She's asking me. I can hear her asking me in the spirit. We're asking each other. Hey, let's be accountable to one another. When, when I remember to say, let's pray, I'll say it. When you remember to say, let's pray, you say it. Let's not be upset when we say it. Let's, let's, just, let's just let one another become reminders of when we need to pray together. Let's do it more than just a minute a day or 30 seconds a day. Let's, let's grow in our prayer lives as husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives as God loved the church. Scripture even says we should pray with our wives. Number two, small groups praying together. I believe small groups ought to have fun. A lot of small groups got together for, for New Year's, and that's fantastic. We ought to have fun. We ought to study the Bible. We ought to eat together. But do we, honestly, listen, do we pray together? Do we have small groups in our church that are taking 5, 10, 15 minutes and just saying, let's have a prayer meeting? I would encourage that this year. Let's focus on some prayer time in our, in our small family together gatherings. Number three, one hour powerful prayer meetings each week. No set schedule, no same day, no same time, no same place. Just random meetings that you might not be able to attend very often, but when you can, you'll know it because the Spirit of God will say, go to that prayer meeting. 
We'll start this Saturday at 4 o'clock with our regular prayer meeting here in the music room. I'll be there. I'm not there all the time, but I'm going to be there this Saturday to pray for an hour in our scheduled prayer meeting. But that's the only time we'll do it there this year. We'll, we'll move it to different places and different reasons and, and just, just to pray. We used to walk around these buildings and pray. That's how we got these buildings. We prayed. We, we walked around for hours and hours and hours and days and days and months and months and years and years. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Took that long to wait on God, to do it. But God did it because of prayer, powerful prayer. Number four, daily prayer emails. We're finally going to do it. Janie, we're going to do it every day. Every day a prayer is going to go out. She's going to say, preacher, give me the prayer request for the day. And we're going to have you to be getting us prayer requests and writing prayer requests down. I don't have a lot of time to go into all that, but you share with me, share with your small group, share with us what we can pray with you about. Some things are too sensitive. They need to stay within a small group, but there may be some other things that, that we could as a church family pray with you about. Lost loved ones. Illnesses, sicknesses, family needs. That daily email would be great. Can you imagine getting an email from your church that just says, here are the daily prayer needs of gospel light. How cool is that? That could really change things. Prayer changes things. Number five, elders and deacons leading in prayer. If we're going to be the spiritual leaders of the church, we might as well step up and be it. We might as well lead in our giving, lead in our praying, lead in our serving. And we're going to do better at that this year. As elders, as deacons, we're going to pray more together individually with our families. We realize that that's, that's what leadership does. We, we lead and we must lead more. Number six, more emphasis on calling the prayer line. If the number's in our prayer bulletin, you can get it off the internet, but we want people to at least have it to call once a week or once a day or once every three days or whenever you feel led Whenever it comes to your mind, you know what? I'm going to call that prayer line and see what's happening at Gospel Light today. It'll be there for you. Emphasis on it. And then finally, number seven, growing our Saturday prayer meetings at 4 p.m. We have a small group now, which is great. It's not supposed to get big. We don't want it to get necessarily. The goal is not to get big, but the goal is to have it for people who need it on Saturdays at 4 o'clock. It's here if you need it. We'd like you to know more about that. Support begins with prayer. Support begins with prayer. We're going to have a great year because we have good friends. Look at verse number four. Is this amazing? Paul says then, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. I love that. Paul says to Timothy, Paul, he's in prison. He's not longing for freedom. He's longing for friends. He's not trying to get out. He's just trying to see who his real friends are. Some of us aren't going to get out of the burden. We're going to be in it. More than likely, we're not going to get out of the burden of raising a special needs kid. We're going to raise her till either we die or she dies. We're going to carry that burden for the rest of our lives. And it is a burden. Sure it is. It's different. But we've got a family that's praying for us. We're not trying to get out of it. We're trying to get more people to, to join us in prayer. What's your burden? Paul wasn't looking to get out of prison. Paul was looking to make more friends. Just more people to support him. More people to understand. That sometimes we all go through adversity. 
And I'm not up here to give you some fluffy puff. 2017 is going to be great. We're not going to have any problems. You're never going to get sick. Just come up here. Here, buy this hanky. Touch this hanky on your head. Give me five bucks. I'm not doing that. That's garbage. That's sacrilegious. That's, that's preachers getting rich off of people who believe. That's leadership lying. That's not right. I'm here to tell you, you're going to have adversity. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have flat tires, okay? And it's not God's fault. And it's not the devil's fault. It's just tires go flat. So we got to deal with it. But every now and then, it sure is nice to know somebody cares enough to reach across the aisle and say, I'm praying for you. We need each other. Number three, 2017 could be the greatest year of your life. Can be. Number three, because you have a sincere faith. You, my friend, have a sincere faith. You say, preacher, how do you know I do? I believe you do. Let me show you why. Look, if you would, please, at verse 5 in our text. Verse 5 says, Paul said, when I call to remembrance. Now, this is a good example. I, I preach from the King James, but, and I always have. I've just memorized it. It's been a Bible that I've used and felt comfortable with. We all kind of get comfortable. And, but the truth of the matter is some words in the King James are just flat out, old, outdated. And it'd be good if somebody had the guts enough to say, we don't use that word. What's the word we use? We use the word sincere. Unfeigned means sincere. So I don't correct the King James. I just take an old English word and say, this is a better word than that for today. Does that make sense? Hey, listen, by the way, notice his grandmother, his mother's name was Eunice. Who is going to name their kid Eunice? Back then it was probably popular. Let's name our little girl Eunice. If you name your kid Eunice, you don't love her. You don't love her. So sometimes it's okay to say, today, this name, this word is a little better. So unfeigned. I'm going to use the word sincere. When I call to remember, it's the sincere faith that is in thee. Paul was saying, I believe, Timothy, I believe you're sincere. Can I say this this morning? I believe you're sincere. Why not? Why not? Why not believe that? You're here. You came to church this morning. There's a lot of other things you could have done, but you said, you know what? I'm going to church. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to go, and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to support, and I'm going to be a part. I believe you're sincere. Here's what I mean by that. I sincerely believe. All right, here it is. I sincerely believe this about everybody in this room. I do. You can call it positive thinking. You can call me an optimist. Whatever you want to do is fine with me. I sincerely believe everybody under the sound of my voice wants to grow spiritually this year. I believe that. I just I don't believe anybody in here has a desire to go backwards in their faith. I think everybody here, I believe, wants to go forward for God. I believe that. How fast? Maybe it's going to be different for all of us. But I think all of us have a desire. We want to have what, what, what he calls a sincere faith. So let's look further in the, in the, in the verse. He says, I remember... The faith that's in thee, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. You know, I, I want my kids to know they have a good grandmother. Mrs. Yoshida is a godly woman. She's prayed for them. She prays for them every day. She's more than a healthy 82-year-old. She is a prayer warrior. 
So I would like to say to my own children, this faith we're talking about, kids, dwelt first in grandma, then it dwelt in your mama. You got a godly mama. Lois, Caroline, Caroline's a godly woman. She prays, she weeps over her kids, she loves her family. She's an amazing Christian lady. I want my kids to know you've got a heritage of godliness in your grandmother and your mother, but notice what he says. I love it. I believe in you also. I believe Chloe's a godly woman. You say, how can somebody, you know, come on, she's just 15. You know what? Our kids can love God. Our kids can grow. Our kids can pray. Our kids can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, Every one of you, your grandmothers, your mothers, you have a sincere faith. I love Paul's optimistic attitude. I'm persuaded that is in you also. So what is this sincere faith? Here it is, church. You're listening. It's your, it begins with your testimony. What is your testimony? Do you have one? What is your testimony? Where did your faith begin? Your faith began at salvation when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. That was a great day for me. And so there's some things I think we need to do with our faith. And I think those things can be found in verse 6. He says, wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Stir it up. It's in you. Stir it up. What does that mean? What does it mean to say stir it up? Here's what it means. All right, here's a question for everybody. Don't answer out loud. Here's a 2000, January 1, 2017 question. Here it is. Would you say that you could be more fired up about your faith? Answer it silently. I would say yes for me. I need, see, I was saved 30, like 36, 37 years ago. I need God to stir that up. I'm I'm not fired up like I used to be. I got used to this thing. You ever get used to it? You ever just kind of come to church, sit, soak, and sour? You know, the offering plate comes, put the money in the plate, you know, stand up, hands in the pocket, wait, you know, it's good. Oh, I like that song. It's good. I don't like that one too much. Oh, it's all good. Man, I'm starving. What's going on here? I'm here. All right. So, you know, hey, good service, brother. That's great. See you next Sunday. Out of there. You were here, but come on. Are you fired up? Are you passionate? Or do you need some stirring? How do, you, how do you get fired up? Number one, here's three things we can do. Number one, we need to review it. Review our faith. Review it. I mean, go back and think about it. Okay, here it is. I'll, I'll, I'll do it live and in action. September 1st, 1978. I was 13 years old. I was a Roman Catholic altar boy. Being a Roman Catholic absolutely has nothing to do with being saved or unsaved. But I was very religious. A lot of Baptists are religious. A lot of Methodists are religious. A lot of Presbyterians are religious. You're not saved because you're Baptist. And you're not not saved because you're Catholic. In fact, I just came from New Orleans where I visited with my dad for a week. And arguably, if you spent the week with him, you might think he's one of the best Christians you've ever met. It's about Jesus, not religion. Religion destroys. So sometimes we have this denomination name that we put on our faith. And that's not what saves us. It doesn't matter what your denomination is. What matters is what your relationship is like with Jesus. Wow, I'm getting stirred up thinking about this. So September the 1st, 1978, 
I'm sitting in a chapel service next to a man by the name of Tony Thomas. Tony is sitting in this room right now, in this room. He's a deacon at our church. He was 13. I was 13. We're going to this little small dinky Christian school. I'm sitting in this old auditorium that burnt down on the corner of 3rd and South since then. We're sitting there. This guy preaches a message. I'm sitting there at age 13, and I remember like it was yesterday. Now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm thinking about it, I remember I'm sitting there. I'm under this conviction I've never known before. And and, and something inside of me, which I did not know what it was, it was so spooky, it was a mystery. I know now it was the Holy Spirit, was saying, go down. You need that. You know he's right. It's crazy. I I said, Tony, move. I got to get out. So Tony moves his little 13-year-old knobby knees in. I get out in that aisle. And I walk down the aisle. And I go to the front and I take that preacher by the hand. And I look at him and say, my name's Eric Pacey. It's my first week at school and I need to be saved. And he kneels at the Lord's Supper table and takes five minutes in that service and leads me to Christ. (laughs) I've been saved ever since. You say, what caused that little dance up there? Well, I partied last night. No, I'm just kidding. Let me tell you what caused that little dance. Reviewing my salvation. When's the last time you reviewed it? When's the last time you took a walk around the block and just thought about the day you got saved? When's the last time you went to a prayer closet, took a drive up West Mountain? When's the last time you reviewed it? Number two, you've got to remember it. It's kind of the same thing. But review, remember, and then refresh it. Share it. Refresh it. Refresh it. Refresh it. Press the reset button. This is a new year. Do that with your faith. Do that with your faith. Review it, remember it, refresh it. If it's stale, stir it up. This can be the greatest year of your life. Number four, and I'm done. 2017 can be the greatest year of your life because you have nothing to fear. You say, preacher, what do you mean we have nothing to fear? We got ISIS on our tails. You know, you got a security system in it. You got guys all over this place protecting the church. You've got policemen in here that are watching to see. You're right. Got all of that. Yes, sir, we do. But that's not why I'm not fearing this morning. That's just good common sense things that Scripture teaches to do in protecting our flock. We do. It's like having life insurance. It's not sinful to do that. That's common sense preparation. When I say I have nothing to fear, I'm referring to what Paul was referring to when he said, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Listen. Anybody ever worry in here? Okay, okay, I'll be the first again. Why do I always have to be the first? Okay, does anybody ever have anxiety issues? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What's going to happen? Okay, kids, look both ways. Okay, you know. We're all worried, and what's going to happen, and how's this going to work out, and what's going to happen, and what about the economy? Jesus says we have nothing to fear because we've not been given that spirit. You see, we have three things, and I'm going to give you these three things. Three things you need not fear. Number one, you have power. 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 Isn't that what it says in your Bible? We have power. What is that power? Can I tell you what that power is? Are you ready? Listen. When Scripture says, 
not by might, not by spirit, but by my power. That word power is the, the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. The, this word power here in Timothy, power, dunamis, dynamite. It's, it's, it's explosive. It, it's like dynamite. It's so powerful. It changes lives. It changes everything. It is this. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. You know what the power is? It's in you. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit within you gives you power. So you have power. You have nothing to fear circumstantially. Whatever the circumstances are, you don't have to fear them. You say, well, I wonder what Paul's were. Okay, I'll tell you. He was facing execution. Anybody here left death row to come to church this morning? Any death row members? Real quick. So you guys are all not facing death. So you would say with me that you're, we're all better off than Paul right now. Yes? Okay. Well, Paul, facing execution, said, I'm not afraid. I remember as a little kid, I heard this story about a famous old preacher named John R. Rice. He's old. He was, he was old back when I was young. He died and went to heaven, but I heard a cool story about it. Oh, John R. Rice, this old faithful preacher, was approached by a robber who put a gun to his head and said, give me all your money or I'll blow your brains out. And Mr. Rice, he wore these old glasses and he went and pulled his glasses in and looked at him and he said, you can't scare me with heaven. You can't scare me with heaven. Are you kidding me? The guy walks away and says, dude, that ain't no fun. <laughs> Robbing a guy like that. You have nothing to fear. You have God. You have power. You have the Holy Spirit within you. There's no circumstance that comes into the Christian's life that you don't have the power to get on top of. Jesus will give you that power in your season of adversity. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Power. Power. Not my own strength. Christ. Number two. Second reason why you need not fear is you have love. You have love. You have nothing to fear relationally. I want you to listen to me for a moment. Christian marriages are in trouble. Christian marriages. Christian husbands and wives are fighting, not getting along, using the divorce word all the time. Listen, Christian parents, Christian parents are fighting with their kids and their kids are rebelling against their parents. It's happening. Christians warring against one another. Listen to this, true story. People in church hate each other. Literally sit in the same pews and don't even love one another. They'll go to church for 25 years together and sit in different sections because they can't stand that person. Christians. Why? We fear people. We fear people. I don't 
They don't like me. They said this about me. They did this to me. I just don't trust them. They let me down one time. My marriage just won't work. Listen to me. Listen. You have nothing to fear because of love. Love conquers all. You have this love. It's an amazing love. Your marriage can make it. Your marriage can thrive. You don't have to fear relationally. You have the ability to love far beyond your capacity. You can do it. You can get along. You can forgive. You can love. you got to just determine, listen, I can't do it alone, but God's given me this love. It's such an amazing love. It's a love that caused him to say, Father, forgive them. Well, they know not what they do. It's okay, God. Let them spit. Let them curse. Let them, let them pierce me. Let them kill me. It's okay. God, I love them. It's all good, God. And I can't love my neighbor? I can't love somebody because they said something about no, I can. In fact, I am going to do it because I want to have a great year. I'm going to have a great year because of love. I don't have to fear relationships. I can dive head on, man. Number three, you have a sound mind. You have nothing to fear internally. Sound mind. Don't fear yourself. Listen to me. Quit popping pills. Quit popping pills. Cut it out. You have nothing to fear. Quit drinking yourself to sleep. What is up with all these people now calling themselves Christians and getting, getting into alcohol? All of a sudden, people want to start drinking. I, well, I just drink because, you know, it just makes me feel better. It helps me to wind down. You don't need that. God's given you a sound mind. We're all of a sudden depending upon pills and alcohol to regulate our moods. We don't need that. We've got a God in heaven who's given us a sound mind. We can love one another. We can care for one another. I know there's a need at times for pills. If you're described by the doctor, take the recommended amount. Do what they say if you feel like that's what you need to do. Might get a second opinion, but, you know, listen, I am all for NyQuil. <laughs> when you got a cold, I'm for it. I like ibuprofen every now and then. I take a once or two, three months, I get a headache. I, I'm blessed by that. I thank God for ibuprofen. But listen to me. It's out of control. It's out of control. Pills are out of control. Liquor is out of control. And it's coming into the church. And I see it. I see it. Because people don't realize God's given them a sound mind. They don't have to fear themselves. God made you the way you are. God loves you just like you are. You can get through this. You can do it. You've got people that love you. You've got a church praying for you. We can do this. God can do this through us. God has a great plan for your life. 2017 can be the greatest year of your life because you have a bright future. You have a wonderful community of relationships because of the sincerity of your own faith and because we have nothing to fear. Every head bowed and every eye closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, this morning I close this service by just asking you to meditate with me for just a moment. 
Meditate upon your salvation. Meditate. Meditate. Would you, would you this morning join me in saying, God, I want your grace, mercy, and peace to flood me right now. Flood me. Fill me. God, I need it. I can't do this by myself. Please, God. Please, God, pick me up when I fall this year. God, thank you for everything you've given me that I don't deserve. God, give me a peace about my kids. Give me a peace about my family. Give me a peace, God, about my finances. Financial peace. University peace. Give me a peace, God. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I want to invite you to come forward and trust Christ this morning as your personal Savior. Just just let go and let God get saved today. If you're here and you've never been saved and you never trusted Christ, I wonder if I could just ask you to lift your hand high enough to where I could at least pray for you if you've never been saved. Anybody like that? Would Would you pray for me, Pastor? I don't know if I'm saved, but I would appreciate your prayers. Could I pray for you? By you lifting your hand, I'll know that I need to pray for you. Would you lift it where I could see? Then the rest of us, maybe you just do what God would lead you to do. You can meditate and pray at the altar. You can meditate and pray standing in your seat, whatever you feel led to do. Father, I pray that you bless this invitation time, this time where we come before you and deal with the message deal with it. Deal with the Spirit's leading. Deal with the conviction. Just deal with it. God, help us to not run from it, but to face it and to help and to ask others to help us to face it. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand? Grandeur has quaked before Moved by the sound of his voice Seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken from my regard. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all. It is well. It is.
this service that we would say as a church family, it is well with our soul. We trust you, God, with our lives, our future, our children, our marriages. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it. We're going to have a great year because, God, we're trusting you and your grace and your mercy and your peace. We're believing, God, in friendships this year. We're believing in prayer this year. We're believing, God, that you have greater things in store for us than we could ever imagine that our future is as bright as the promises of God. And so we say tonight, today in one accord, it is well with my soul. Mm-hmm. 